Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Good morning, Milestone Church. In church on 4th of July. Come on now, love it. What a great group here. Awesome. Also, though, it's still pretty great watching online as well, probably traveling this weekend. A bunch of folks watching online, those watching in a video venue at a later time. Let's put our hands together. Let's welcome everybody together here today. Awesome. Well, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, the rights to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. These are words that are now 245 years old today, words that birthed a nation. And we've grown into a most uh, prosperous and diverse nation, a nation of early explorers and pilgrims, a nation of immigrants from all over the world of freed slaves, of indigenous people, Native Americans, and natural-born citizens, all one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Happy Fourth of July, Milestone Church. So good to be with you guys here today. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Last week, we wrapped up an incredible series entitled Empowered. If you missed any week of this series or you missed it entirely, go back and binge watch right, the whole series. I mean, it's so good. Pastor Jeff, like I've, you know, 20 years I've known, he worked hard on this series for us. He really did. Taking a big concept, a third of God, the Holy Spirit, and presenting a way that we could really grab hold of it. And so go back and watch if you haven't already. Great series. We're starting a new one today called Summer at Milestone Church. And we're continuing our theme of the year, which is to help you grow. We're all trying to grow this year. It's kind of the word God gave our church this year to grow. And to grow, you gotta, you gotta do something. You either gotta stop doing something, you gotta do something new. Like time without doing something is just aging, but we've gotta do something to actually grow. And so in this series, we're gonna give you real engagement things to help all of us to grow. If you have your Bibles, we're going to two places, John 10 and Matthew 6. So flag those, John 10, Matthew 6. Uh, but just to get us started though, I got a quick verse for us out of James. James 1:22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. <laughs> I like James. He's a little blunt, a little upfront, right? He just says how it is. Like he had some complex sibling rivalry things. He was Jesus' brother, right? So you can see why maybe he's just kind of a little more blunt of a person. But do what it says. Don't deceive yourselves. Just hear it. Do what it says. Reminds me of something I wrote in my notes from last week's message. Pastor Jeff said, Christianity is not a dead cerebral religion, but a living experiential faith. Right, there's things that we get to do, right, to experience and grow and live out and walk out this faith. Because experiences are what really do grow us. We can learn about something, we can observe something, but until we actually do something, we experience it for ourselves, it's not until that that we truly grow. Just a couple weeks ago, my daughter and I, Karis, went on a daddy-daughter uh, camp. It was an adventure camp. 
an adventure experience camp where daddies and daughters go through these things to help you grow together and grow in God. And they seem to think that the only way you grow is to be confronted with fear and risk and uncomfort. And, but I'm telling you, man, they, they have all these things. They have these like 100-foot bungee swings and jumping off these 50-foot telephone poles and rapid rods and all this stuff. And the first night, they take all the dads on a tour of all the things that we're going to be doing. I call it the tour of terror, right? They just, it's like, okay. But all the dads, we're like a bunch of middle schoolers at Six Flags, right? We go back to that. We're like, yeah, that's not that high. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. That's going to be fun. Oh, gosh. You know, like a middle schooler, mom, please call, right? And so we're doing this and walking through all the different things. And, you know, but back to that. So speaking of middle schoolers, anybody here like riding the roller coasters? Really? Because here's the thing. I think it's all peer pressure. Like in middle school, it's for your buddies. In high school, it's for the girls. You get a little older, it's probably, you know, for your wife. And then you're doing it for your kids. But nobody ever wants to just do it. Maybe, have you ever called anybody and said, hey, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm just doing the coasters, man. Just down at Six Flags. Just by yourself? Yeah, love them. You've never heard that. You've never woke up and said, you know, I'm going down to Six Flags today. I'm going to ride the, no, it's only on a peer pressure. And so this whole camp, they're pressuring us into these fears. Then you have my daughter. Daddy, are you going to do that? You bet, honey. The question is how many times, right? He's like, yes. For you, yes, sweetie. Oh, right? But sure enough, but stepping out and doing these things and pushing into fears and risk and stuff, I experienced something, and it grew me at another level. I mean, this is stuff scary enough that you can almost grow just watching somebody else do it. Right? Some stuff is fun enough just watching them do it. Even in the Christian life, we get into that sometimes. You can watch somebody else using their gift. You can watch somebody else sing. You watch somebody else leading a smart. Watch somebody else do it. And it's almost, that's enough. It's just enough to be a part of a place where people are out there doing it. But it's not enough for you to actually grow. You have to experience it for yourself. So in John 10, where we're going to look here today, you have Jesus introduce himself as the good shepherd. Or the good shepherd and you know, his sheep know his voice, and he knows his sheep, and he lays down his life for the sheep. And the good shepherd, in John 10, verse 10, he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they, talking about you and me, may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to have life and have it to the full. There's two characters here. There's the good shepherd who comes to give there's the thief that comes to take. What Jesus gives is he gives us this life. The Greek word is zoe, which means it is an active life. And give life to the full. The Greek word here is parasos, which means super abundant. God has a super abundant life for you, but there's an adversary. There's someone, a thief, trying to steal, trying to take, trying to kill this abundant life that God has for you. And he's so sneaky about it. Because thieves are sneaky. Like, they don't rattle the dishes. Hello. Right? They're sneaky. This is the age-old trick. Right? In the garden, the enemy, the thief, Satan, when he deceived Eve, it wasn't like that fruit was rotting. It didn't like have fruit flies all around. Want to bite? You know, it was like, no. It was, it was alluring. Oh, man. And that's the way it is. It's always it's a counterfeit. Right? The thief, he's sneaky. There's a counterfeit. A great story that helped kind of make sense of this for me and maybe for you. There's a gentleman in my small group a few years back. His name was Eric. And he said, he said one day, he just kind of came, he just kind of opened up. And he said, I did everything they told me to do. I'm like, whoa, what, what? He's like, I worked hard. I got into a great college. 
I met my wife, we got married, I got into grad school, we started having a family. All right, I started climbing the ladder, I got to the top, I got it all, but I'm unfulfilled. My wife, she resents me, my kids were disconnected, and I did everything they said. And when he's unpacking, I'm hearing this frustration, he's a Christian man, and, but what he thought would fulfill him, this American dream, this success, he thought would fill him was leaving him empty because there is so much more God had for him, but a little counterfeit, a little this, a little good, but not great, a little good, but not God's best, got in the way, and he was left unsatisfied. We're all prone to it, we're all susceptible to it. I think of it like junk food, all right, because we all know that's not good for us. If we wanna live longer, be more healthy, you know, all these things, like we know, but we're still drawn, you know, to it. It's kinda like at night, you know, you're like, okay, maybe I should just have fruit. You know, or no, it's probably just too late. I should wait till the morning to eat, right? Or maybe I should, but then as time goes by, next thing you know, it's an empty tray of Oreos. And you're like, where, where did, what? Is that just me? Is that, that's a reoccurring, a reoccurring thing. Right, we know what we want, but it's like the guy I heard, he said, I know money won't fulfill me, but I just wanna learn for myself, right? So I just wanna find out for myself, right? So, like it's just, it draws us, but it's, it's, Hey, God has so much more, an abundant life to fill us at the deepest level. Here's a big idea I want us to grab hold of. Jesus offers us life at the deepest level where we feel truly full, full in the soul, the superabundant life. We feel full in the soul. So today I'm gonna walk us through five full life qualities, five things, maybe all of them, maybe one of them, that I believe that God will fill you as you walk in these qualities. The first quality I want us to talk about is being worshipful. Worshipful. Matthew 6, 9 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven. How we approach God is so important. Our Father, a loving Father, how we relate to him, how we see him, the accessibility of him. Right? If he's a loving Father, he's easy to run to. But if he's a taskmaster, right, if he's harsh and mean, he's going to keep that distant. But a loving father, we're going to run to. Hallowed be your name. He's this loving father, but also he's, he's other. He's worthy. He's able, right? He's deserving of our praise, right? He's this heavenly father, but it's so reachable and attainable. But he also is this thing that's just so amazing, extraordinary, so much bigger, than all of our struggles and challenges and problems and things we're facing. And that's what happens when we approach him and we worship is that he gets bigger. He gets magnified in our hearts. We get full worship, worshipful. He gets bigger in our hearts. What happens is those problems and pains and challenges and things, they actually get smaller as we magnify God. That's all how we approach and see him. I had a real deficiency in this area, to be honest with you. You know, I... I I thought I loved God. I thought, I mean, I was doing the right things, but honestly, I saw God more as that taskmaster. I was actually leading a team, mission, mission team in Belize, in the jungles, in Belize, Central America. We had a team leader meeting, and somebody's got a guitar, and we're singing, they're playing, Lord, prepare me to be a saint. You know, they're singing, and I'm sitting there, and she's crying over here, and he's crying over here, and I'm like, what is going on? You know, either I'm talking to God, I'm like, either something's wrong with them or something's wrong with me, you know? And so in the process of this discovery, God let me know the problem was me. The problem was I had a closed heart to God. The problem was that 
I did not love God because I had not fully received God's unconditional love for me. First John says, we love because he first loved us. In my quiet time that next morning, God just spoke to me and said, you respect me, but you don't love me. Began an argument with God to which then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna figure out how to love you. He began to be a gentle and kind and a loving father with me and walking me through this and leading me to open up my heart to really, to receive his love, be able to love him back and worship, but it was uncomfortable for me. I would come into a service like this in my church and there'd be people expressing and saying, the Holy Spirit's here. And I'm like, where, you know? And people be lifting their hands and I'm, I'm just like, but then God's working. He said, I want you to begin to worship me. I want you to begin to sing. I want you to, I want you to lift your hands to me in praise. I'm like, lift, no, 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 no. I'm like, I don't even want to identify with that group. Like, you know, it's just like, I, because think about it, like lifting your hands, that's the most vulnerable, like biological, it's the most vulnerable position you could be in. Exposes all your, your main organs, right? Also, it's dependent. Think about a child, the first act of dependency, a child in need is raising their hands to their father or their mother. The universal sign of surrender, giving up. Right? We don't like raising our hands for a lot of biological programmed reasons inside of us that we are surrendering, that we are vulnerable, right? that we need help. Like, and so God's like, no. And so I remember, I'm like, okay, he finally got, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna raise my hands, right? So I'm going to church that week. You know, I'm ready. I wear a nice loose shirt, good flexibility. <laughs> I got it all I remember, I remember I plan spontaneous moments. Like I am a very calculated person. So I go in and I'm there, so I'm gonna wait for the slow songs. More heads are down, eyes are closed. And so wait it out. And then I'm like, I get them out of the pockets, right? Get them, go to the front seat. From there, it's a quick flip, right? So I'm on the front seat and but literally I I'm here, and I, literally, I feel like I'm, I got 100-pound dumbbells, you know, in my, I, my, I just like changed, just, and I remember just, okay, God, for you, and just lifting my hands, and I remember just something broke inside of me. Like just, it was my pride is what broke. My pride broke, and I remember just, okay, I remember just weeping and just worshiping, just being, just, just filled with God's, just his goodness, his pleasure. When we worship, it's so tricky, because we think we're giving something to God, but God's giving something to us. God actually knows who he is. He does, right? He wants us to remind ourselves of who he is, and that's what worship is, right? It's so I remember that moment, something breaking, and from that point, it, just, it changed my personality entirely, my worship. So these moments in service where we, prepare for the message we worship, it's, it's a filling time for you where God's filling you with his love and his goodness. And I don't know what it is for you that begins to open you up, but if you're a closed person, say, God, what is it that would open me up? For me, it was raising my hands. For you, it could be something entirely different. It could be putting your hands down. I don't know. It could be going on a walk until you walk until you feel close to God. I've had to do that too. Right, or you get right way in nature. Something where you get your emotions, your heart connected in worship to God, where you are able to lift his name, but he also fills you up. The enemy would say that you don't need to worry about all of that, but a worshipful life says, God loves me, he's bigger than any challenge, and he's worthy of my praise. So maybe a next step for you is to push in to one of those things that's maybe uncomfortable, but on the backside, that could be something really God fills you. The second full life quality is purposeful purposeful. 
Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we're filled with his purpose when we're building his kingdom and not our own. When we're carrying out his will and not our own. Such a cool thing when we know that we're doing something for God. There's a sense that there's a purpose to it. I heard one of our serve team members, which is our volunteer teams at Milestone Church, remember them telling me that, they said, I do a lot during the week and some of it's good, some of it's for God, maybe some of it's for, a lot of it's for me, but when I come and serve, I put that lanyard on, I know I'm, I'm doing this for God. It's like, it just, I'm doing this for God, that's so powerful. That's what our serve team and opportunities is to really serve, because we can open doors all day long in the community, but when you're opening doors to your church, there's a, there's a purposefulness to it. And whatever you do, when you do it for Jesus, it comes with a purpose. It becomes purposeful. My hair cutter, Justin, this is a picture of him here cutting hair on serve day with us. Invited him to come do it. He was so excited. I went back in and got a haircut this week. Thank you for noticing. And uh, I was talking with Justin, and he said, man, it was so awesome. But, you know, the, the church did Friday night. And I'm like, what did, what did the church do Friday night? He's like, oh, you know, man, we went down and we cut hair for refugees and this. I'm like, well, our refugee mission team went down and they invited a bunch of the people that cut hair at Serve Day to come down with them. And so they called Justin. So Justin was back down cutting hairs for refugees and just loving it. The team told me he just stayed late, played soccer with all the kids. And, just, and he told me, he's like, Steve, man, I love doing it. I feel so full when I'm down there and I'm doing that. I'm like, yes. You see, whatever it is, when we're doing whatever it is we do for Jesus and his name and for others, there's a sense of purposefulness that fills our life. And I said, Justin, I gotta use that in the message, man. So he said, yeah, sure. Purposefulness. You may not be cutting hair, but whatever it is you do at your workplace, when you do it for Jesus, in your home, when you do it for Jesus, there's a purposefulness to it. You can redeem whatever you do and you have a holy calling when you know that thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When you're, wherever you're at, you're saying, Lord, I wanna usher in your kingdom here. I wanna do this for you and for your glory in my workplace. I met a business person. I was so moved by this. This gentleman could retire, has plenty of stuff, because I keep on working because I wanna see how much resources I can get into building the kingdom. And so he just continues to work to fund the kingdom, advance the kingdom. I thought, what a cool picture. So you have that available to you this week to find some purposefulness in whatever it is you do by doing it for Jesus. The enemy will say, hey, keep climbing, keep striving. When you get to that spot, then you're gonna be fulfilled. But a purposeful life says, whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna do it for Jesus. Whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna do it for Jesus. And I promise you, I sold shoes for five years for Jesus. I made it purposeful. I didn't wanna be there, but I knew it was where God wanted me to be. You may be in a spot you don't wanna be, but you, when you do it for Jesus, you find purpose in it. Maybe a next step of engagement for you would be to practically join one of our SERB teams. We have it teed up, set up for you to be able to jump into an area where we help to identify your gift and utilize your gift to serve in God's house and in this community and really achieve and fill that sense of uh, purposefulness. Maybe it is to go into your workplace, your home this week and say, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. So worshipful, pur purposeful, next full life quality is grateful. Matthew 6, 11 says, give us today our daily bread. We get full of gratitude when we remember that God has given us everything we need. Not all of our wants, all of our desires, but everything we need, even our daily bread. God has provided to us everything. 
not just our needs, it's all from him. When we remember and we know it all comes from him, it comes with gratitude. When it comes to our own nature, it's entitlement. When it comes from God, it comes with a gratitude with it. Gratefulness knows that if Jesus never did another thing for me, what he did on the cross is enough that I could be grateful and praise him for all of this life and the life to come. Right? That's my calibrating thought, actually. When I kind of get into a mood, you know, or a funk, you know, you kind of get off. My calibrating thoughts just kind of get me back to gratefulness is I just play this out. I say in my head, Lord, where would I be today had it not been for your grace and you saving me? I just played that out of just the destruction that would have come, the pain that would have come, the people I would have hurt, how would I hurt my, and I just go back, my God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for saving me. Thank you so much for intersecting my life at that point. Thank you, it just begins to fill me with gratitude. Because that's what, gratitude doesn't have to be in the moment to be grateful. See, gratitude sustains blessings. Things that God may have done 20 years ago, you can just reflect on it. Grateful, it just fills your heart. God, thank you for that, thank you for this. Thank, gratefulness, it fills our heart. Grateful people are gracious people. They're generous people. Gratitude and generosity, they're symbiotic, right? Gratefulness, generosity, they go together. And a grateful, generous person, just to talk about the full life God has for you, it brings into your life those full, the full things you really want, those relational things. The Bible says a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. Right, when we're generous and we live this way, when we pour and so into others, they pour and so into us, and we're full in those relational, those rela- that relational tank that's so filling when we pour into others. The enemy, though, would say, you know, you know, you don't need to be grateful. You don't have what they have. You don't have what you want. But a grateful heart, a grateful life says, God's been so good to me, I can never outgive God. God's been so good. I can never outgive God. Maybe a next step for you is to practice some generosity this week. Practice some gratitude this week in your life. Have a time of reflection where you just kind of remember just God's goodness in your life. Thank him that he has provided all of your needs, your daily bread, and everything else has been given to you through him. Maybe practice some radical generosity. You want to feel full? Do something radically generous for somebody. I'm talking about when you go out to eat, leave him that big tip. Like the one that makes Facebook, right? That makes all the rounds, gets on the news, you know, waitress gets $300,000, you know. And so, <laughs> don't do it by faith. Make sure it's in the account, you know. But, <laughs> Lord, you said it all's from you. I'm a conduit. Um, you got to have first. But, but maybe what is it for you this week that you can really step out? It's radical generosity because I promise you, if you radically serve somebody, give, financial gift, like you're gonna feel more full than you've ever felt before in giving when you do something just radically generous. It's a really cool thing. All right, so worshipful, purposeful. Talk about grateful and now we're talking about peaceful. Peaceful. Matthew six twelve, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness brings peace to our souls. God supernaturally forgives us and gives us the supernatural ability to forgive others so that we can have peace with God and peace with man. There's no better place than we know when our our, our debt is paid, the accounts are clear. We got peace with God, we got peace with man. That means that in my life, I know that my sins have been forgiven. I know that there's no waiting, uh, heavy, unconfessed sin between me and God. I know there's no offense between me and a brother. I know that there's no unforgiveness that I'm not offering someone else. 
like when, I, when your debts are paid, when the accounts are, there's just a peacefulness that comes in your life and you lay your head down at night and you're able to go right to sleep and you wake up in the morning and you're light. But the enemy, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to rob that peace from us. And so over life and over time and over relationships, there's offenses and hurts and things that kind of pile on us. And rather than being full of peace, we gotta get full of hurt. I realized I was carrying a hurt in my own life over several years, over 20 years, I was carrying this heavy hurt. All goes back to when I was a, a young boy, I was driving home from my dad's restaurant, me and my dad, and we're driving home and I'm sitting up front, this is back in the day, you know, no seat belts, no airbags, just lucky to be facing the right direction, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, we're up there and we're driving and he goes, you, want, you know, you wanna take the wheel? And I'm like, yeah. And so I remember sitting there and reaching over in the front seat to grab the wheel and I remember slipping, when I slip, I grab the wheel and jerk it and we start veering off the road towards something Next thing I know, he grabs the wheel back, he hits me across the chin, and I'm just sitting there shocked. And in that moment, I remember we didn't talk, we were almost home, we got home, we went inside, he didn't say anything, I didn't say anything. I remember going to my room, just replaying it, like, like it was an accident. Like, didn't he see that I, I slipped? Like, I, it wasn't, I didn't do it on purpose, I wasn't trying to wreck the car, like, I, I, it was an accident, and oh my gosh, I'm just gonna let it go, and so, then I get into my teen years and in quiet moments and stuff, I still would reflect on it. Go, That's so out of my dad's nature. Why did he do that to me? I, I, wish, I wish you knew that it was an accident. I didn't mean to do that. And then I'm like, but it'll go away. And then I get into my 20s and still comes up. And it's like, why is this still? And then I'm in my mid-20s, my late 20s. And then I'm, oh my gosh, I've got a boy. I've got a son now. He's the same age that I was. And why, why did my dad do that to me? I would never do that to my son. And I'm, oh my God, you gotta help me deal with this. And so I thought, okay, God, by your grace, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to him. And so I go home twice a year to Florida. I went home and I said, okay, I'm gonna schedule a lunch. I'm gonna talk to him about it. We go to lunch, I chicken out. Right? <laughs> it didn't come up at all. Uh, it was about good times. Um, so another year, I go back. I'm like, all right, I've got to deal with this. I'm like, I am doing this. And so we talk, I start unpacking. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, do you remember that time? And we're coming home and this, and he's listening. He's like, son, I'm so sorry. I, I don't remember. <sighs> okay. And, but he said, hey, hold on. But let me ask you this. Like, think about every other time. Every other time that maybe we had to hit the brakes real quick. Every other time that maybe we had to veer from an accident or veer from an obstruction of the road and just any of those, what would I do every single time? I'm like, you would always reach across and you would protect me, you would hold me. And he said, yeah. He said, could it be that in that moment you thought that I hit you, but what I was actually doing, I was reaching across to embrace you, to brace you? I remember sitting there replaying it. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. Over 20 years, carried that hurt. In a moment, full. I tell you that, that was a misunderstanding. There's other things in life that have happened that were not misunderstandings. <laughs> but I tell you that because the same thing that you felt when you realized that it was a misunderstanding and the peace you even felt for me 
Right? That's what's available to you when you resolve this unforgiveness in your own life, anything between you and God or between you and somebody else, that supernatural grace to forgive you, that supernatural grace extended to you to be able to forgive someone else that even has wronged you, right? Because nobody gets to this life unscathed. Nobody, not even Jesus, but by his stripes we are healed. Right? He's the good shepherd, laid his life down for the sheep, but by his, by his grace, we receive grace from him, but then supernaturally we can extend it to others. I love a saying where forgiveness is setting the captive free and realizing you were the prisoner. So I'm telling you, if there's anybody carrying anything today, still a heavy thing like that in your life, mine was misunderstanding, but there's plenty of things in my life that weren't, that same power is available in a moment to be able to release and forgive supernaturally by God's grace. And you can have that peace in your life. So an enemy would say, no, hang on to it. If you forgive them, it's letting it, you know, letting it go. They need to pay for it. Hang on to it. But a peaceful life says, I have nothing left to confess and no one left to forgive. Think about it. What if you can clear all those accounts between you and God, you and man, just clear them. We had a, a lady last night that came down and she said God was speaking to her in the message. She was a 9-11 survivor. She lost over 20 friends in Manhattan. She was in Manhattan. She lost over 20 friends that day. And she'd been carrying a survivor's guilt all of these years. She said, but God said she could be freed of it. She came down after the service and got prayed in a moment, freed from all these years of carrying it. See, God has that thief comes to steal. Yeah. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God said, how can we have life? Have it to the full. He has that full life. The final full quality is graceful. The wraps it all up, Matthew 6, 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. The evil one is the same. That's the thief in John 10 that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Same person. Deliver us from that thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief that will tempt you to worship anything other than God, he'll tempt, he'll distract you from your purpose, he'll rob you of gratitude, he'll try to rob and steal uh, your peace from you. But we got good news because Jesus, the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep, right? Jesus gave his life for us that we can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We can have power over sin and the evil one, over the thief, by the power of the resurrected Christ, by putting our faith and trust in him. A graceful life is able to say that I have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That declaration, that's the declaration that fills the ultimate hole in our soul, that God-shaped vacuum that can only be filled by him and that revelation that you are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I don't, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know what that is. You can have that today. Maybe you have a relationship, but man, there's more grace available to you. There's more of that grace I can appropriate and receive into my life. His grace, his forgiveness, his finished work in my life. And you can grab hold of that today and you can be full. As we're going through this, you probably observed that we work through the Lord's Prayer. You see, Jesus and his disciples, he would spend some time, he'd always, he would pull away from them. And they'd notice this behavior in Jesus so much so that as they watch him come back and they notice there's something different about him, he didn't, they didn't ask him, how do you walk on water? How do you feed five? How do you? He said, how do we do that? How do we, when you, how do we do that? 
And so he said, let me teach you how to pray. And he gave him this prayer. And so as we close our service, we're talking about doing things, experience things, taking steps. We're gonna pray together. So I'm gonna ask you to stand up on your feet and we're gonna pray the Lord's Prayer together as we close. Those of you who grew up in more of a liturgical setting, this is your moment. <laughs> right? All of this stuff is like, yeah. But right here, this is it. We need you. We really do. You gotta carry us. I want you to commit to this. Some of you have maybe never prayed before, maybe never prayed out loud before. We're gonna pray this together. Now I'm gonna close this moment together. I'm gonna pray for us as we finish. So it's on here. I'm gonna, we're gonna do this together. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we come to you, the good shepherd. Lord, we know your voice. And God, I ask your voice to speak to us. I pray for each person here, if there's an area where you have more for them, an abundant life, life to the full. If they're missing out on anything you have from God, I pray you'd reveal it to them. Maybe they can be more purposeful or grateful or worshipful. Maybe have more peace in their life. God, I pray, Lord, you would reveal to them what that is you want to fill them with. And God, I pray for anybody here that just, they don't know, they don't have a relationship with you. If that's you and you don't know the Good Shepherd, you don't have a relationship with God, it's really simple. It's that confession that you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus. So you can put your trust and confidence in that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day. And so you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you're buried and I believe that you rose again on the third day. And I wanna make you now the Lord, the boss of my life. I wanna give you the wheel. Just pray that in your heart in this moment, you're being saved. And in fact, the Holy Spirit now, God himself coming to live and coming to live inside of you. How, how full is that? The God of the universe is coming to live inside of you. And God, I pray for all of us here greater expression of your fullness this week we would have life and have us the full in jesus name amen thanks for listening to this week's message if there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with jesus please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com and if you found this podcast helpful leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform we hope you have a great week